This podcast is sponsored by Speaker Rocks Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com. Companies don't know their buyer enough and where they're coming from, so they create this massive resource engine of a website when really they can actually make a much more lean five to 10 page website or maybe even less to book a demo or to move them in the direction that they need to go. And it boils down to knowing. Welcome to the B2B Growth Hacks podcast, the show that helps entrepreneurs like you unlock opportunities for growth in business. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, and this is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Hey everyone, welcome back to B2B Growth Hacks. I'm so glad you joined us for today's episode. We are continuing our resilience series and I'm super excited about the conversation I have. Uh, Today I have a special guest with me named Sam Moss. Sam is the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency and the host of B2B Made Simple. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate you having me on. This is exciting. Yes, I'm super excited for our combo. So I'm going to dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit um, about yourself and One Click Agency. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. I co-founded it with my dad. We're an agency in upstate New York. We specialize in website design and development, primarily for B2B SaaS and tech companies. Perfect. We talked about so many great things. And so I want to dive into our interview with kind of talking about web design and, and building a website that's resilient. In essence, building a web page or product that stands the test of time. So tell me a little bit about some of the issues you see with web pages and problems that you see in which they wouldn't last the test of time. I think one of the biggest things that we come across is that companies are not thinking two to three years down the road. So they try to solve an issue now and they don't think for the future. And I think one of the biggest things right now that we have come across, and you would think in 2021 that you know this would be a problem that isn't as prevalent as it is, but websites that aren't mobile ready. So when it comes to standing the test of time, you need to continue to change with the times as a company. And yes, you have a website and that's great, but I mean, 50% and upwards for some of these companies, that's what is coming from mobile. So if your website is not optimized for mobile, that's one of the biggest issues that we come across in companies that are just, again, not there to stand the test of time. And they don't think about their buyer and where they're coming from. We actually were talking to a company this week that said, we understand we need to get the mobile optimized and uh, responsive because we're getting 50% plus of our traffic through mobile. So obviously now it's an issue. And of course, they probably lost a lot of business because of it. And a lot of companies, it's a blind spot for them, unfortunately. Well, you talked a little bit about messaging as well and and thinking about your customer. Elaborate on that for me. So companies are not buyer centric on their websites. And what I mean by that is they they think of what do I think the customer is going to do? And then they build a website around that. Or what do I want the buyer to do on our website? And then they build their website around that. Instead, you need to reverse your mindset to think, what does my buyer want to do on our website and what is going to make it easiest for them? Are you going to slam them with a bunch of pop-ups? Are you going to make it hard for them to navigate? Are you going to make it a ton of unreadable or undigestible content right on the homepage that they're probably going to skip over anyway? You need to be looking at your website through the lens of who's going to be visiting it and not what you want them to do when you're there or when they are there. So the less words, 
possible, of course, right? No big words. And then on top of that, forms are a huge one, right? So if you're sitting there trying to take all this information because it's going to populate Salesforce, seems great on your end, but you're only hindering the buying experience for your buyer. Maybe they don't want to give all that information to book a demo. Maybe they don't even need to give all that information. But here you are with a form that is a page long, trying to get all their information so you can pre-qualify them when there are other ways about that, right? And you're just, you're spending so much time trying to get the perfect lead that you're missing out on a buyer that could be ready to buy because you're trying to force them into your ideal funnel, I guess is the correct way to put it. So your buyers buy how they want to buy. So make it easy for them. Put a call to action right on the homepage, multiple ones, book a demo, book a call, schedule a meeting, buy now, whatever it might be. Obviously it's, it's different for every company. So when they're there, they can have that option to do it and then make it easy. Because again, website, uh, company websites tend to be really selfish. The selfish PR, you're pushing your product, you're pushing this. When all your buyer typically wants to do is take the next step, maybe educate themselves a little bit to find if you're a credible brand. But other than that, they're there most likely to take the next step. So just make it easy for them. Yeah, I love that. Um, thinking through what potential next steps a client can take and laying out your website, allowing them to self-select the information they want to see. Those are my favorite experiences, right? When I go to a website and if I decide I want to look at case studies, I can look at case studies. If I decide I want to look at testimonials, I'll go find those. If I want to see your portfolio, et cetera. But though, to your point, those are the best experiences, the ones that allow the customer to self-select what their next step is going to be. And that shows a lot of thought behind the design when someone has taken the time to think through all of the different avenues and not selfishly thought of the one that they want you to take. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, it goes back to what is my buyer looking for on the website and what do they want to do? What is going to be easiest for them? What is going to make this the smoothest experience possible? Or am I doing this in a selfish way because we want to populate HubSpot and Salesforce to track the attribution and know this perfect lead came from wherever. It doesn't always need to be like that. It's the the perspective of solving their problem versus selling your service. If you have crafted uh, a good enough service, it solves a great problem. And so you don't have to push the service because the person's already come to the site looking for the solution. Um, by that point, they know what you sell. They're just trying to figure out their entry point. Um, and so I think it's... Uh, it's a huge miss when you approach it the opposite way. Like you said, from a selfish standpoint or a business standpoint, it doesn't serve yourselves and definitely doesn't serve your customer. I think another point as well is companies don't know their buyer enough and where they're coming from. So they create this massive resource engine of a website when really they can actually make a much more lean five to 10 page website or maybe even less to book a demo or to move them in the direction that they need to go. And it boils down to knowing what stage your buyers are in when they reach your website. If you are a SEO-led marketing team and that's your number one tool for or strategy for getting new business and new pipeline, then you need to educate buyers on what your brand is, what problem you solve, what you do, some testimonials, et cetera, right? But 
because obviously they don't know about your company. But if you are executing a content strategy really well, if you have a demand engine that's working seamlessly, if you are on uh, social and you have a ton of exposure just simply through organic, people already know your name and they're going to Google to search for you because they want to do business with you. At that point, you don't need to have this huge, robust website that's just preaching at them and and has all this unnecessary content because they're not there to look for it. They're actually looking to take the next step. So you have to take a step back and know, well, where are our buyers coming from and what stage are they in? Are they 90% of the way to a purchase and they're just there to book a demo or are they brand new to our brand and that's the majority of buyers that we're getting and and now we need to educate them further on, you know, what problem we solve, what the category is, etc. Say you don't have a website at all, you know who your buyer is, and you know that they're coming to the site to buy, what do you feel like is a good, safe place to start at if someone's new to this? I would say three to five pages, and I've even seen some companies get away with one. It's all in how you kind of lay it out or wireframe it. You can have everything on one page as long as you're lean with your content, you're clear with your message, and you're concise with your copy. Uh, You can put all of that on one page. Uh, our website is probably five or six pages. Are all of them needed? Probably not. Refine Labs, that's a company I follow a lot. They do a really good job. I think they have a five-page website and they're generating millions of dollars in business. Um, now, where you get into the weeds is if you have an SEO strategy and you're, you know, you're blogging and things like that, obviously those will up your page count. But when it comes to the core of the website, I don't see why companies need more than five to seven pages, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I think... If you think through most of the, like if I were to think through most of the websites that I visit, you probably don't go through more than four to five clicks of different things before you make a decision. So I, I think that's absolutely a great um, place to start a recommendation. What are the key points that a great website um, needs to have? The first one is call to action is clear and concise and actually tells you what you're doing. So it's not unlock clarity, right? It's book a demo or book a meeting, schedule a meeting, book a call, whatever it is, right? Purchase now, buy now. Those are all clear call to actions. The second thing is you want to tell right above the header. So before someone scrolls, is what we call the header, right? What you do, how you're going to make your your customer's life or your buyer's life easier or what problem you solve, and then how to buy from you, right? So a lot of these, these companies I go to, and I don't even know what they do, because they're so deep into their own messaging and they get so much into their own head that they can't clearly portray in a simple way what you do. For us, we build websites and we put that on our website. We just tell people that. But so many people, so many marketers especially just get in their own head and they overcomplicate their message, especially in the beginning because your buyer could be ready to buy. Let's say you've been educating them in on LinkedIn or organic social with your content. And they're like, you know what? I think I'm ready to go. They go to your website to book a meeting, whatever it is. And they get there and they're like, oh, you know, I actually can't understand what this brand does. I thought it was X. You're on your website talking about blah, 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 right? And it's they don't even know anymore. Now they're confused. And then they're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the best decision because I can't even figure out. I've been to some top SaaS companies and top tech companies' websites read their copy, and I have been their ideal buyer in some cases, and I can't even figure out what they do because they get so lingo friendly. They try to use big words to sound smart, and they're just not clear and concise with their message. Some people who you've seen done this well or some websites that you think are are really great. I think Gong is a really good one. I don't know the exact address, but that's a great website to go look at. I think Refine Labs does a really good job. 
I mean, people can go check out our website too. I mean, we don't, we practice what we preach, oneclickagency.com. Just see what our message is, see how clean, how precise and how clear uh, we portray what we do. And obviously every company has their blind spots. So if it's tough to say, then shoot me a message and be like, hey, you know, maybe you could change this. But I think that we are a good example of, of what to do. Um, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think if there's any other companies. I actually used to like what Drift was doing a lot, um, but they got a little bit in their heads, I think, with the category they created. And now it's kind of confusing trying to figure out what they do. Um, Privy is a good one. Uh, Sweetfish Media, that's a podcasting company, a friend of mine, and they, they're they similar in a way. They do a good job explaining stuff on their website. So those are some examples for people to go check out. But other than that, I, I put on the spot, it's tough for me to get any in the, in the top of my head, but I'm sure there's a bunch more out there I've come across. No, those were great examples. Definitely going to go check some of those out myself. So we've talked a lot about uh, thinking through the lens of what your customer wants. And I think the term there is customer-centric design. It's a customer-centric user experience. And so um, one of the things that in regards to being customer-centric, I think is thinking through not just the actual language on the website, but the actual feel, like you said, the wireframe of the website. And of course, I mean, we could go on and on about great companies. And I don't think anyone, even if you don't have an Apple device, I don't think you would say that Apple isn't one of the top competitors as far as user design. The fact that they've built this phone um, and devices to the language at which a three-year-old understands these motions, how to swipe, how to how to double tap something, all the way up to adulthood, I think is so genius. And I think when you think about website design and digital design, you kind of have to think about it in the same way. And that's part of the customer experience. Where naturally do people click? Where naturally do people look for things? And tell me a little bit about your experience with that, like the actual physical placement of items on your website. Uh, one of our favorite things to do is to put a call to action directly in the nav menu up top. So the top right-hand corner. And the reason being is I'm going to draw this on the screen, but people scan a website in a Z pattern. So they go from left to right, across the screen, and then from left to right at the bottom again. So a Z pattern, right? So with that being said, we typically do logo in the top left-hand corner, the call to action, because that's where the eye goes in the right, and then a call to action directly in the center. Repeat the same call to action right there in the header because that Z pattern will cross two now. So now they know, again, you have to tell buyers over and over again what to do. And that's one of the, the not hacks or trick, but tricks, but that's a practice that we implement on our websites. On top of that, design trends in 2021, um, clear and uh, clean is the word I'm looking for. So not a ton of content. Uh, aesthetically, it's pretty plain is what we've been seeing. So a lot of white space, um, very easy to find where things are on a single page. Another thing that we've been seeing are just simple animations. So if you hover over an icon, it just moves a little bit. It's not like this glaring thing, but it's like these subtle, kind of brings the the page to life, um, adds some vibrance. So that's what we've been seeing. And then a really cool one that has kind of popped up recently is dark mode. Websites going into dark mode um, and kind of staying up with that trend that Apple and I don't even know if I don't have a Samsung. I don't know if they do it, but uh, at least Apple does it right. Websites can do the same thing. And it's a really cool way to stay adaptive to the design trends of the times. I think it's interesting that you mentioned dark mode because uh, 
most of the Mac programs I was using before, obviously, I have always offered that. And now I'm starting to see Windows completely change the way things are laid out. They're going for the curvy corners. I mean, all of it. Like, I'm such a geek about looking at the actual physical design of things. And so these nuances, even though they seem kind of meticulous and, you know, unimportant, I think people do notice them and they feel the difference. And to your point, the white space and the scrolling space and more simplicity and on websites, I think it has to do with the mobile design. The fact that when you have too much content, it does not transfer to the mobile phone the same. It does not scale to the screen the same because they're different orientations. And so I think it's super important to kind of think through that when you're thinking through these trends and things like that, that you have to adapt for both the screen and mobile. Both have a light mode, a dark mode. Um, again, you're working with two separate orientations. So the things, one of the things that you've talked about um, throughout the interview um, that I really want to hit on is is thinking thinking not just technically about your site, but a lot of the elements you're touching on are really marketing concepts. Um, they're not necessarily, you know, technical or development assets. Um, but you mentioned uh, in our previous conversation that in order to ha- to be resilient in your website is that you need to build the website a website through the eye of a marketer and be thinking um, in, in that realm. Um, so elaborate on that for me a little bit and how one-click agency is different from other agencies. Yeah, I mean, it just touches on pretty much everything we covered, where it's not what you think your buyer wants, but it's what the buyer actually wants, right? So as a marketer, for us, when we're on a website, it's easy for us, because we know marketing, to be like, hey, you know, what about if you were to move this section here, or brighten this up a little bit, or or move this text, or remove this text altogether, or maybe move this call to action around. When When we say we're looking at a website through the eye of a marketer, that's what we mean is because we have the buyer in mind. Like we're trying to make the sale. We're not just someone that's over in the background coding like a normal developer. We do that, but we have the the feedback we can give to a marketing team if they ask. And again, we're not we're not here to help um, or really coach with conversions. We're not really a conversion company by any means, but it's nice to know that you have a website developer in your corner that actually gets it. So for example, a, a project we're working on right now, they send us, questions every once in a while, just like, hey, what do you actually think of this testimonial reel versus this? And we give them feedback at, from a marketing perspective, like, yeah, this is clean. This kind of tells the story a little bit more. We would go with this. And that's the kind of feedback that we mean, look at a website from the eye of a marketer, because marketing understands the customer, or they should be. And that's what the website should be built around. Yeah, absolutely. It's your it's your front door. Um, and if you're not thinking through it in a non-technical or non-logistical way, uh, then I think you would be missing the mark with the purpose, entire purpose of a website. You mentioned compelling storytelling. And I have to say, I'm a huge, huge fan of Donald Miller and the story brand method. Um, I think it's such a great easy formula to follow and there's so many great examples of it but I think the basis of it is to be a compelling storyteller tell your story very concisely very quickly and get to the point and think through your buyer's experience and the answer that they're looking for the solution you provide so tell me a little bit about how you go about um, compelling story uh, storytelling for brand yeah, so the framework that we follow, and this isn't something that clients pay us for, but it goes into the look at a website through the eye of a marketer. 
And this is feed, this goes into the corrective criticism or feedback that we give our customers if they ask, is following Donald Miller's uh, building a story brand framework. And basically the thesis of that is that you are not the hero, your customer is the hero. And you are there to guide them through their journey to eventually becoming the hero. I mean, they're not the hero yet, but you help them get there, right? And it's Yoda um, is the guide for Luke, right? He teaches them how to be a Jedi. And that's basically what the, the thesis is with this. So with that being said, on a website, if you're saying how great you are and how you're number one in this and how you do X and blah, 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 then that really turns a buyer off because they're looking for the problem that you solve. So if you highlight the problem that you solve and how you're going to make their life better, they're like, oh, I can trust this brand. I'm going to be fulfilled in X. And then if you spell out what X is and what problem you solve and how their life is going to be better, they're much more likely to buy from you. So that's how we look at our website. That's how we create all our landing pages. And that's the feedback that we give to our buyers is really tell a compelling story, help the help the buyer from A to B and help them win at the end of the day. And that's exactly what your website should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um, in a previous conversation we had that a good website helps you convert leads and build online presence. Dive into mm -hmm. those two points. How do you direct people? How do you help them get there? Um, what do we need to be doing to be thinking in this mindset better? Mm -hmm. So a website that's dated, is going to be a horrible user experience, right? So if you go to the website when they're dated, typically they're slow, typically they're tougher to navigate, and they're not, it sounds so shallow, but aesthetically pleasing. So if you are nailing all three of those, then it's just going to improve the user experience overall. And when the user experience is improved, buyers are more likely to buy. And a big component of that would be speed. And the reason being is these older websites, they tend to bog down and they, they take a lot of work to, to load. And buyers don't want that. When I go to a website, I want it fast. Otherwise, I leave. And we're to the point where if your website doesn't load within two to three seconds, people are going to be bouncing. If you have Google Analytics on your site, then you would see that. That's an important concept. So we have user experience and then your online presence as a whole. Um, when you have something that's fresh, that looks good and is exciting to navigate and look through, then people are going to be, I don't know if excited is the right word, but they're going to feel at home and comfortable on your website. And that's going to boost your online presence immensely, which is honestly should be a goal of every company. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, when you think about being resilient um, as a business and standing the test of time, having a good website is really part of that process in adapting your sales model to convert on in an online format. For example, I mean, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. We're hosting a remote interview now because of that. And if, if you don't think through the digital experience and a digital sales funnel for your business, I don't know that you will be here 5, 10, 15 years from now to, to be able to be resilient, to stand the test of time because your strategy is dated, your website is dated. Um, uh, so how do we how do we stay how do we stay ahead of that? How do we you mentioned trends and things like that? How do we continuously think creatively about our websites? I think one of the best things you can do is look at industry leaders that aren't in your industry. Um, the reason being is because if I were to go and look at all the web development websites, 
I would look like I would look just like my competitors, right? But I can go to the gongs of the world. I can go to the drift, to the privy, to the refine labs who have nothing to do with my industry, but I can take and glean information from them and what is working in their industry. So a trap that I see uh, companies fall into is they they go along with a design trend of their industry and then they just blend in. And SaaS is extremely guilty of doing this. I see it all the time. It's like right now it's the vector images. Every single SaaS company has it, right? And I think that that is you're trying too hard and all of a sudden you, you see one company do it and then, or it's like the Stripe, they'll go do it or Asana and then everybody wants to do it and it trickles down. I feel like you can go look at other industries and see what they're doing and pull ideas from them just to keep yourself above the pack when it comes to what everybody is doing. Even if it's something really simple, it could be noticeable and you're not going to blend in as much as you would if you're looking at all of your competitors. Yeah, I... Totally, totally agree and totally love the idea of continuously pushing your creative vision there by looking at people who are in the top. Sometimes I think that people are intimidated to look to their left or look to their right. You know, you're always told to run your own race, but there's so much that we can learn from one another. Uh, We're both hosts of shows, um, you know, so I think it's great to create like that collaboration and that idea of looking, looking to industry leaders to push you to the next stage or the next level. Yeah, 100% agree with that. What are some other resources that you recommend for people who are thinking about trying to be better in this space, build a better website? What are some resources that you can recommend? I think you need to learn how to become or be better as a marketer as a whole. So I would get your hands on marketing books. So Influence is a great one. I don't remember the authors of these, but I'll just run down through some good ones. So Influence is a great one. The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, another phenomenal book that will just kind of give you an overall grasp on what marketing is and what it means. Um, But getting into what really ties to a website, obviously building a story brand is great. And then even deeper than that, they have a second book called Marketing Made Simple, I believe is the book. It's like the, the second 2.0 book to building a story brand. And that one actually dives in way deeper to how to structure a website. And I would definitely recommend that one. So those are probably the four I have off the top of my mind. All great books. No one have read all of those. So second that for sure. Sam, you have given us so many great gems today, but I do want to uh, just lean into one last question here. If there's one piece of advice you could give to our audience to build build a more resilient website, what would it be? Stop looking at your website through the lens on what, of what you want your buyer to do and look at it through what is going to make it easiest for them when they get to your website to do business with you. I think it boils down simply to that. Well, Thanks so much for your time today. Before you leave, I do want to uh, give our audience some idea of how to connect with you uh, because you've all now told us to go look at your site. So we are going to. So just let our audience know where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, you can go to oneclickagency.com. You can either spell that out or use the number. It goes to the same place. And before, when I said it, hopefully people don't think it's like a little PR push. You're welcome to go take a look at that. I'm a, I publish content on LinkedIn every single day. I just look up Sam Moss. If you like marketing content, you can go check that out. And we also have a podcast podcast called Small Business Made Simple. Uh, A couple episodes come out every week where we talk to um, marketers in SaaS companies and the SaaS world that have been doing a really good job and they have good content to share. So that's where you can find me and what I do. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Sam. I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk and connect. And I look forward to checking out some of the resources that you've given our audience. Thanks so much for all of the information. You got it, Sarah. Thank you. 
We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at b2bgrowthhacks.com. Also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest conversations happening here on B2B Growth Hacks. This podcast is sponsored by Speaker Rocks Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com.